0: University's the Panther. I'm Daniel Pearson and welcome back to another episode of the Panther Podcast. This is Chapman Behind the Scenes, a show where I go behind the scenes of some of Chapman's biggest events and speak with the people who helped put these events on just to gain some insight into what it was like in case you missed it yourself. On today's episode, I'm speaking with two students from Chapman's College of Performing Arts and they're sitting down to discuss their most recent production, Tartuffe by Moliere. This play showed last weekend October 14th through the 17th and they're just going to share a little bit about what the production process was like, how they went about some of their own character development, and just a bit about the controversy behind Tartuffe and why you've got to hear about it. So without any further ado here is Ethan and Nancy.
1: Hi, I'm Nancy Kellum. I use she, her, her pronouns. I'm a BFA screen acting major and leadership minor. Um, I'm a senior, and I played Doreen in Tartuffe.
0: Hi, I'm
2: Ethan. I go by they, them, theirs pronouns. I am a senior theater performance major in the College of Performing Arts, and I played the role of Tartuffe.
0: So if we just want to start out, just give a little brief synopsis on what the play Tartuffe is about, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so Tartuffe,
2: I have explained it to a lot of people about how it's kind of like Parasite, but instead of the poor family being multiple people, Tartuffe is like the whole poor family. I mean, like the first interaction that I have with a character on stage is actually with Nancy's character, Doreen. And I come down and I'm sort of like gaining power and like asserting my power within the space and I do that through interacting with Doreen like telling her like you you shouldn't show like your cleavage in this house like this is unholy Um, our thoughts are going to be tainted by this type of a thing sort of reinstating that I'm this like all powerful like almost all powerful like religious figure that's trying to guide the family towards heaven and uh clearing them of their sins and sort of like this aspect of purity and the dynamic between the family and i is very much like i know that they know that i'm not here to do necessarily do the things that i'm doing and i'm here to take advantage of their wealth this person is basically conning their way through this rich, high-class family in France in the 1600s, like mid-1600s. There's like a lot of talking about Tartuffe in the play before they come on stage, and so there's actually like 50 pages of dialogue before Tartuffe starts like coming on stage and is dialoguing with other characters, but all of that beforehand is about like the family talking about Tartuffe, their opinions about Tartuffe, and everyone except the master of the house and then his mother is like totally against Tartuffe. They're like we know what you're doing, we know that you're conning my family. And so that that's sort of one of the driving, I guess, conflicts within the play uh, between characters. Moliere talks about in the script about how Tartuffe came from this prominent estate and lost it to a quote, dreadful twist of fate. So it's very much like this dramatic
0: irony between them and the other characters. For me, it was just the set design was like immaculate. Even like the little things, like how the um, picture changed from the family to just Tartuffe, like just there, and how that like completely changed the set. But then at the same time, it's not like there were big changes going on, you know? Um. Yeah,
1: it was really interesting because all of the walls were completely white which was very interesting to me and the the only real change that happens within the set throughout the entire piece is that change of the portrait but that change in itself displays all the changes that then happen within the household, going from the family to just a portrait of Tartooth. My favorite thing about the set was that the director, Carol Foreman, wanted to have the floor of the house designed like a chessboard. So it was the black and white squares. And I remember in one of our early rehearsals, She gave all of our characters assigned one of the pieces within the chess game. So that was really interesting in terms of what chess piece we were indicated the status of our character and also the way in which they walked. And I feel like that was a really fun discovery for us in one of our early rehearsals in terms of understanding the states of the characters. I played Doreen, who is one of the maids or servants in the household. But despite the status that she has been given, she does not act in accordance to her status at all. And she's very ballsy and, you know, says what she thinks. And, you know, that was so fun to be able to kind of go against the status of the character given. Um, And I think that really showed in the way my character moved uh, around within the set. She kind Mm -hmm. of asserted her dominance, stood her ground, things like that. So I think that's an interesting piece that I don't think was necessarily clear to the audience that we were really using that chess aspect.
0: I'm not gonna lie. I didn't, I noticed the chess board, but I didn't really quite understand how that like played into it. I think
1: it was just, the set was really fun and it really, it was kind of the first time in a play that I felt that the set really helped bring the characters alive usually like working on the set can you kind of have to make it work but Mm -hmm. for this play specifically i think it really did Mm -hmm. tell the story well
0: ethan i saw in the show program that you collaborated with jenny jacobs who was the adapter of the original play and so could you just walk through a little bit what that was like the process um, that you guys went through to really put a modern twist on this.
2: Yeah, so the, the
0: process happened uh,
2: like during the summer before um, rehearsals happened, and Professor Jacobs put so much work into this. I'm just like, it, it was such a, like an honor to be working with this script, because it was put into a modern context that was also pushing a narrative that was just so progressive, and I think that the, the cast aligned with, and that was the director's vision, and just, that was, like, such a wonderful part of the process, was working through that and finding our own meaning with that. Um, but in the process of translating and adapting the script, we so we took from the, the original French version, and then found translations and adaptations by other playwrights, and, mm-hmm. like, adapters, playwrights, and then we had these translations done by like specific translation programs to see like, oh, like is this line, so this line is different from this line, but does it portray a specific message that we want to interpret in the final adaptation? Right. So that was really interesting. So we had this Google sheet of like all these translations like. Column for column for column, and there was it was overwhelming because there was so much text going on, but you could see specifically where those differences were. Mm-hmm. I was able to do a little bit of work on the prose adaptation from looking at all these translations and adaptations mm-hmm. into the final version, and it's interesting because. Professor Jacobs, she was going to do, like, a prose and a verse version to see if, like, should we put in specific, in specific sections, should it be prose, should it be verse in other sections, but then we settled on verse, because it was just so lyrical, and it really so played. So So, it was so, so wonderful to play with, just, mm-hmm. like, as an actor and a performer, because since it was so lyrical, that just played into the movement within our characters, the the energy that we brought, and also the sort of the fluid exchange of emotion between the characters on stage. Tartuffe is like sort of this conceptual, like spiritual being. Um, they would go by he/him pronouns as like a cis straight man, mm-hmm. or uh, the the option that we ended up choosing, which was a non-binary person who goes by they/them pronouns. Um, but a lot of the work that I did with her was ensuring that that was, I guess, honored within the script. And mm-hmm. I forget if there was a note. Or not in the program about I, I mean i know that every character uh their pronouns were specified um mm-hmm. but within the script there were certain characters who were referring to tartu with he him pronouns because that was their opinion on tartu and mm-hmm. right and yeah. so and because like or, yeah that there was, was
1: purposeful misgendering which we talked about as well about how that would inform tartu's decisions if their family is continuously misgendering them. How does that make them feel? Mm -hmm. And I think throughout the play, you see that progression of all the characters taking into consideration the pronouns. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. And so like when Oregon is figuring out and then admitting to himself and others, like Tartuffe is this con artist and like the worst type of person, he starts using he, him pronouns for me, Um, which is also an interesting change in language that I guess like it's such a radical change because I know that in um, in society today, like people who understand gender identity are still going to refer to other people w- with their pronouns,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, if whether they like them or not. It's just like out of respect. But, like, if you just, like, if you change their pronouns, like, and how you refer to them, like, that's, that's totally frowned upon, and it's, it's like, it's queerphobic, it's transphobic, it's this whole thing. So, that was, that was just an interesting message that, um, I was able to work with Professor Jacobs on, Mm -hmm. um, that really informed the adaptation, yeah.
0: Doreen, or, (laughs) Nancy. (laughs) Nancy, you played Doreen. (laughs) Um, you talked a little bit about how your character is like typically just you know this more timid quiet housekeeper but then you really challenge that stereotype because you were this very loud outspoken person Um, so just Kind of how did you go about um, developing this character that really was like took the center of the stage? So just kind of speak a little bit yeah that.
1: it was it was really interesting to be able to play someone that I somewhat related to that she's the gossip and trying to kind of like she knows how to stir the pot, but equally she's able to stand her ground and kind of be a tough cookie and i I really appreciated that within the character. What was interesting was kind of discovering how much she will spill with each of the characters. There's that scene right at the start where it's just her and Cleont and everyone else is left and they're like drinking the wine. And it's a big kind of tea spilling gossip session. And that kind of indicates how comfortable Doreen feels sharing her true honest opinion with clayont mm-hmm. The interesting scene that we had to work on a lot was the scene with Orgon where I kind of push against him um and kind of give him my opinion because it felt like I had to kind of talk to Professor Jacobs about whether that was something that would have been so frowned upon in the times that it would have had you know severe consequences for a maid to stand up against the master of the house right but we kind of talked about this element with Doreen about how she just has no filter, like whatever she's gonna say, she's gonna say. Mm -hmm. And I just really appreciated that. And I think when we talked about um, with Ethan with the, the verse versus the prose, I think that really, that choice of going with the verse really helped because it felt like it's so lyrical that like, you know, if the end of the rhyming couplet was to be like the reveal of something that she's gonna give away, that it felt felt more natural for the character for her to speak in verse um so it was it was a lot of fun and I think the the language went hand in hand with the um the character choices and it was very freeing to be in a production where the women of the house or the women involved in the production could share their honest opinions um
0: Was that how it was originally or was it adapted a bit more for you to be a little bit more vocal and outspoken i think
1: the character is outspoken within the original context but i think i was able to kind of put my own spin on the character and both carol the director and professor jacobs the um, adapter were really pro me kind of pushing that choice even further with elmia that beautiful monologue where she talks about like when a woman says no, that should be enough to... Like, she shouldn't have to explain herself. Oh, yeah. Like, that is probably my favorite piece of text from the whole play because it kind of shows that the original text and the text that Jenny created, the themes are so paralleled. Even from, like, 17th century France to today, (laughs) women are still having to say, when I say no, no is enough and we should stop. And it was... Both sad and a celebration, in that, uh you know, it's frustrating that women still have to do that, but it was such a wonderful discovery to realize that this language is still so relevant. And I think when people say, you know, when people hear we're doing period pieces still at, in college, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, you know, it's going to be so boring and I'm not going to understand the language. But uh-huh. some of the audience members who, came to see it said you know i don't usually like classical text but i understood this and i think us bringing about the letting the characters be influenced by our own personalities as human beings behind the characters really helped us to push forward those messages mm-hmm. um so i had a lot of fun kind of bringing a bit a lot of myself to the character
0: no yeah beautiful performance thank you kind of is- I also just wanted to add
2: um, with the sort of progressive message that we were pushing with the women in the show and them holding their space for themselves and exerting their power over the men in the play. Um, I remember Professor Jacobs was talking during actually the Friday talk back after the show about how she cut out like text afterwards that was like backtracking on all of that saying like but also like a woman should be in service to her husband and that type of a thing so it just it just really went to show about about how they uh we were adapting this text to be so accessible to the our modern age but also push that uh, like more progressive agenda Mm -hmm. I suppose well like you were saying
0: there was like a scary amount of parallels still right (laughs) yeah yeah, Yeah, and
1: I think I really I think we all really appreciated Jenny's um, artistic choices to remove that because it Elmira became so powerful in that moment and there was one of our performances where the audience were giving snaps when she'd finished that monologue and it really like partly took me out of it because I was like oh my god the audience are understood that text not only but are responding in a way of like yes queen like finally a woman is able to stand up against her husband who is the master of the house and Mm -hmm. say like when i tell you enough is enough enough is enough like you need to shut the hell up and it was it was really fun to see that she took that um initiative to remove the other part of the text that was just so redundant of Mm -hmm. the message and I think it worked beautifully because it gave the women in the play and us as actresses in the play so much freedom to explore our female power, which mm-hmm. I feel like we don't really get enough of an opportunity to explore. No, Queen yeah. Jenny Jacobs, that's what you yeah.
2: we'll say. <laughs> and it's like, I also felt like in my opinion, it, this, this message wasn't forced like it is in some other productions. Where they're like, this is a feminist play. We want you to get, like, this feminist, like, message out of it. Whereas Tartuffe was like, come see a really fun show. And, femi- like, these feminist ideas were still part of it, but it wasn't like, like, you get it? Do you get right. it?
0: Do you get this? Like- it was
1: not shoved down their throats right. at all. Yeah. It was if that's what you're going to take from it, great, and if you miss it, you're lost kind of thing.
0: And yet it was still, when it first came out, I think I saw in the program, like in 1664, it was super controversial and like banned for a couple of Yes, Yeah. Yeah. So still people were taking it, like, (laughs) It
2: was funny because apparently Molière had to talk to a lot of religious figures of the time and see and like talk to them about, hey, does this work for you? Like, can we put this out? Can we perform this? Because since they were banning it, and so like around France, um, they they did have to talk to that those um, like religious members to say, oh, I'm sure, oh, like,
1: is this okay? <laughs>
0: well, and they also held so much more power back then, so okay. they were probably like, will people even hear this if yeah. everyone shoots it down?
1: Especially because there's such a connotation of. About Tartuffe's religious morals being the thing that is like part of that conning yeah Um, is that they're trying to convince everyone that there's pure and holy being Mm -hmm. when in fact they're not at all and I think there was a lot of controversy about that
2: yeah and that plays into how like Tartuffe is the hypocrite and Mm Tartuffe is meant to say the hypocrite in French and and the satire back then was like okay like this isn't funny to us though like this is such a personal dig at what our lifestyle is um but
1: but i think we've seen in theater of today like you know the book of mormon is Mm. a super successful musical and all it's doing is you know making fun of a religion that's very prominent in our society so i think it shows that that's great (laughs) we've you know we've come quite far in the way that we make fun of things, if that I, makes sense. No, no, like absolutely. You know, we I feel like there was a we were able to have the satire about that, but then we also were very progressive in the interpretation of Tati's gender, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. was really fun to play with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's like very, very educational satire. Yeah what I got out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Well thank you so much Ethan and Nancy for sharing with us. And before we bid you farewell Please just share a little bit about what's coming up next and your guys' acting careers.
1: Um, I just got cast in Zanna Don't, which is the musical we'll be doing in the spring. Um, it will be end of March, start of April. Um, so stay tuned for that. It'll be a lot of fun.
0: Awesome.
2: I'm currently not cast in any shows at the moment, um, but I'm looking forward to opportunities next semester. Um, but I also will be focusing a lot on our... Uh, senior like thesis showcase for the bfa degree as well as nancy will be doing the same so that will be accessible to the public and i'm excited
1: the next um college of performing arts production that's going up is a production of a midsummer night's dream over at the musco theater which is the most beautiful theater ever Um, so go ahead and check that out um, if you are interested in watching some good old shakespeare
2: And get your tickets soon, because there's only uh, three shows happening, and that happens in the first weekend of November, I believe. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks again for listening to another episode from the Panther Podcast, and we'll see you next week.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you.